what I like to do is I like to welcome everybody who's watching this online right now through ESM Hub, uh, on, on ESMHub.com, and those that are watching this right now on media revival television all over the world, thank you for uh, watching. Please make sure you subscribe and get plugged in, and uh, we just love you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this morning I have a word that I want to share. And I don't know how this is all going to come through, so I'm, I'm going to just try my best to articulate what I have in my heart. <clears throat> but I titled it, A Movement of God. <laughs> there's just something, there's power when you say that. If I could do that in my very white voice, A Movement of God. <laughs> what does a movement of God look like? What will it take and what will it cost? You know, I was reading yesterday about the past moves of God and what we saw. And in 19, no, I'm sorry, in the 1730s into the 1740s, there was a great awakening that hit the United States. It was a move of God. It, it, it was in Massachusetts area. It was with Jonathan Edwards. I'm just going to do a really quick rundown with this. Then in the 1820s to the 1850s, we saw the second great awakening throughout America and England. Charles Finney. His message was one of repentance. Repentance. And then in 1906 to 1915, we saw a move of God that we know as the Azusa Revival. Everybody knows the Azusa Revival. William J. Seymour. Then in the 20th century, between 1910 and 1970s, we saw something called a 20th Century Revival. Billy Graham is actually one of the ones that spearheaded this movement. <clears throat> Billy Sunday, he was a professional baseball player who turned preacher. Then in the 1940s and the 1950s, we saw the voice of healing movement. And we began to see mighty men of God come out of the voice of healing. Gordon Lindsay started up the, 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 the magazine. See, the Lord was talking about a media revival even then. But Gordon Lindsay started up his publication and he was documenting the exploits of God all over the world that were happening. <clears throat> so I asked the question, what does it take to see a move of God and what does it cost? And this morning I was praying <laughs> and the Lord just kind of whispered something in my ear and I'm going to share with you really quick. He said, I am giving you the new tools to organize and mobilize. That's for you and I. He says, I am giving you the new tools to organize and mobilize, and it's time to take action. Come on, man. I don't think y'all are getting this. It's time to take action. Hey, man. We got to. We got to get excited. Let's go ahead and turn um, to Matthew 18. Holy Ghost, come on, Jesus. 
<laughs> we all know this passage really well. I'm going to be out of Matthew 28. I'm going to start at verse 16. I'm going to read to verse 20. <clears throat> the Great Commission. That's what the title says on my Bible. The Great Commission. And it says, And then the eleven disciples went into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. <clears throat> you see, there's a timing and a season for everything in the Lord. The Lord always has the perfect timing for what he does. And I, I want to talk about Matthew uh, 28, 16, because it said right here, it says in the very first, uh, on verse 16, it says, Jesus had an appointed time. That means that there is an appointed time for every one of us to step into. And even in the appointed time, this, this is coming right after Jesus had already been resurrected. He comes to the people, and he's talking to the disciples, and they're seeing him. And they, I mean, they heard the story, but they still didn't even believe. They couldn't believe that he was resurrected. And they saw the miracles. They saw a move of God. They saw Jesus. And they still doubted. Then Jesus comes and says, listen, I've got all the authority on heaven and earth. And then he's releasing them in the commission. It says, now you go, right? Jesus, Holy Ghost. I'm gonna, I'll say this. I believe when Jesus said, now you go, he was saying, listen, now you go. And it's time for us to spread the gospel. It's time to be a beacon. It's time for us to be a lighthouse. It's time to be, for us to be a voice for the nation. Time to tell people the good news. Not the bad news. Not the angry God. But to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. He, <laughs> yeah. he didn't place us here. So that we can post our pictures on Facebook. He didn't place you here so you can write some pretty scriptures. He placed us here so we can live in the Matthew 10.8. Listen, I, I say this all the time, and I believe this wholeheartedly. That is our mandate from heaven. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, cast out the devils. This, that's our mandate from heaven, to walk in the fullness of the authority of heaven. I'm going to continue to say this until you guys get this, that we all get this, because it's something that we have to understand, that we, we have to let, it has to burn in us. Jesus. 
you know, we, we, we walk around sometimes with the mentality, this orphan mentality that, that we, can't, we can't function or we can't flow. You know, I'm going to pray something really quick. I feel like there, there's something in the atmosphere right now. I want you to just pray. Father, we just thank you, God. I come against every mocking spirit right now in the name of Jesus. I come against every lying tongue. I come against a spirit of unbelief right now. I come against even words of man. I come against opinions right now, God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we just declare an assignment of angels. Ha <laughs> ha! Supernatural glory right now. In Jesus' name, heaven be released. Jesus. We must understand that we are at war, but we have already won the war. Too many of us are walking around like we're in war, but we're, we're, we're defeated. Listen, I can look at somebody's Facebook post and I can tell you exactly where they are. I can tell you where they're worn. I can tell you what season they're in. See, Matthew 28 says, Jesus spoke over them, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. And then he goes and says, now go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We must understand that God's not an angry God. He's a God of love. And that's probably the, one of the most important things that we'll ever have to know. For God so loved the world that he sent his son not to condemn the world, but through him it might be saved. And because of that, we now get to walk in the authority and the power and the presence of the Lord. Jesus. When Jesus died, he eradicated every part of sin. Every part of sin was eradicated. Thank you, Father. He moved in obedience. And you know, we, we get into this mentality that, that one sin is greater than the other. One, listen, Jesus died even for the homosexual. He died for homosexuality. He died for perversion. He died for, for lust, for anger, for addiction. Every part of the sin was covered on the cross. And because of Jesus, we now have the opportunity to live in the righteousness of God. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last week. I don't know why I'm, the Lord's leaving me this direction because this is not even where I'm supposed to go. Jesus is just waiting for our yes. That's really what he's looking for. He's looking for our yes. In Romans, 9, Romans 10, verse 9 through 13, it says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved. For your heart, one believes unto righteousness, and your mouth confession is made unto the salvation. What does it 
cost and what does it look like to see it move of God? Well, we have to look at Jesus' life to have a picture of this. First thing, Jesus was submitted and he was yielded to the leadership of his heavenly father. And I'll ask you a question. Do we live by that example? Jesus walked in servanthood. He was marked by servanthood. He knew where he was from. He knew who he was. It was a John 3.13. Jesus knowing that he that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going to God. Number three, seriousness. Jesus took life very serious. He was one who identified with the problems. He hurted when you hurted. He rejoiced when they rejoiced, he was sober-minded, supernatural. Jesus was marked by the supernatural things. Everywhere he went, the supernatural followed him. He walked in the power and the presence of the glory. He was the kingdom of heaven manifested everywhere he went. He walked in the supernatural. Everywhere he went, signs and wonders followed him. Do signs and wonders follow you? When you go to Walmart, when you go to wherever you're going, do signs and wonders follow you? He had a specific purpose. He was marked. Jesus came to save, which was lost to destroy the works of the devil. He came to save you and I. He had a purpose. <clears throat> sacrifice. His life was marked by sacrifice because he came to give something for the sake of something else. What does it take to see a move of God? I kept asking myself that question like over and over all this week. What does it cost? And this is what the Lord began to speak to me on. He says, number one, you got to believe. You have to believe. The scripture says this, Whosoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You want to see a move of God? You have to believe. I've had meetings with people. I've had phone calls with people. I've met with people in my travels. And, and, and I've had them come up to me and say, listen, why don't people get healed when I pray? 
But when you come, they get healed. Am I doing something wrong? The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and I. There's no difference. I'm no different than anybody else. But I choose to believe. And you know, one of the things that I found in my ministry when we go, is like I'll pray for people, and there's times people will come up for prayer, for healing, or for a miracle, and you can see that they don't believe. They can't even believe for their own miracle. And the Lord reminds me of that scripture where he tells the woman, Woman, haven't I told you that if you just believe, you'll see my glory? And I hold on to that everywhere I go. And I come to realize that even if they don't believe, I can believe for them. And because I believe for them, we'll see a miracle of God happen on them. Because He's faithful. He's faithful. Number two, we must know who God is. That's so important. If not the most important thing you need to know, you need to know who God is. Listen, how you see God is how you're going to speak. It's going to be how you're going to prophesy. It's going to be how you witness to people. It's going to be how you treat other people. If you have a picture of God as an angry God, you're going to be angry all the time. If you have a picture of God as this God, he's an angry ogre, you're going to move in fear. You're going to walk in judgment. You're going to speak judgment. You're going to be critical of everything. Always looking for the bad. Because you live in fear, but you don't even know it. we got to know who God is. He's a good God. He's love. And I know people will say, oh, you're one of them preachers that preaches love, love, love. Yeah, I am. Because I, He loves us. He's our Father in heaven. And I think of my kids. I love my sons. And when my son makes a mistake, I don't beat him on the head. I don't put him in a fiery pot of oil. Learn your lesson, son. That's an angry dad. What's going to happen? He's going to be in fear every time dad comes around. He's going to be afraid. God's a good God. You want to see a move of God? We have to know who God is. You can't go expecting godly things when you don't know who God is. God is good. Romans 4. I'm going to give you a scripture on this. Romans 4, verse 20 through 25. Shokorabasandarabasiti. Thank you, Father. You're so good. Thank you for the cloud, God. Thank you for the It says in Romans 
He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God and being fully convinced that he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. When Jesus died on the cross, all of heaven's righteousness is now inside of you, on you, in you, and through you. The righteousness of heaven rests upon you. Number three, we must, we must, we must, we must know who we are. We got to know who we are. We got to know who God is in us and who he is through us. Now, um, I believe it's in Romans. I don't have my scripture here, but I'm going to read the scripture. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. This is why you and I can live in the Matthew 10, 8, the go. We can live in the Matthew 28. The Lord is calling his bride to worship him in spirit and in truth. Come on, we've done church for a long time. I grew up in church. I know what church looks like. And don't, I don't want my heart to be misrepresented when I say this. When I say church, I'm speaking of the religious belief systems. That we have to do certain things a certain way accustomed to what a tradition has put in place for us. You know, three slow songs, two fast songs, and we, got, we get programmed that it has to look a certain way. And if it doesn't look that way, people get offended. Oh, pastor, that service went longer than 30 minutes. I got things I got to do today. They get offended because it doesn't look like the way they want it to look. And they begin to develop opinions. You see how that works? It's a religious spirit. That's a demonic spirit. That's a whole other teaching. But it's a demonic spirit. We have to worship Him. And we, in spirit and in truth, So I ask the question again. How do we see a move of God? Well, I'm not going to say this is the pattern or the, this is just things that the Lord has just kind of shown me. But we must be strong and pure of heart. 
We can't come with our own agendas and our plans. Because, see, when we begin to try to do things our way, we quench the Spirit of God. Revelations 2.17 says this. The eyes of the Lord have been searching for people with a pure heart and upright motives in order to show himself strong on their behalf. See, we need to have a pure heart if we want to see a move of God. We came from Alabama. We did several years in Alabama. And in Alabama, it's the Bible Belt. There's a church literally on every corner. And every corner, that church is in revival. According to their sign outside. This one's in revival. This one's in revival. This one has revival next week. And this one's two weeks they're planning revival. If it was truly revival, they would all get together. And they would be revived. Everybody has their own agenda. That's why he says that we must, we can't have our own plans because it will begin to quench the Spirit of God. Be of pure heart. Another thing, we must be steadfast, walk in integrity and the character of God. This is huge. To be steadfast and to walk in the integrity. Man, I know many people, many believers. They're on Facebook and they're, thus saith the Lord, and they're all supernatural on the Facebook. But their character and nature looks like garbage. We have to be real, pure of heart. Pure of heart. Steadfast. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. That's the steadfast. Strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore now, therefore from now on you shall have wars. We must be bold and submissive. This one is hard sometimes. When you use anything with the word submit, it gets a little difficult. We must be bold and submissive to those that God has assigned to us in that season. It's time for the bold believers of God to begin to put it into action. To start to step out, to volunteer, to help. You want to see a move of God? You need people. I'll give you a scripture. 
It's going to be Psalms 110. In the day of God's power, his troops will volunteer willingly. Willingly. I mean, can we just be honest and transparent? We're all asking for revival. We're asking for a move of God. But we can't get out of our comfortable spot. We're so happy where we're at. We are. We're, we get content. Try not to step on nobody's toes here. I'm just, but I just, I need to speak the truth, guys. We call ourselves brothers and sisters, but we can't do for each other. We must position ourselves. The Spirit of the Lord is calling for the army of the Lord to arise, to take hold of the kingdom, knowing that the greater is He that resides in us than he that is in the world. That's 1 John 4, 4. This is not the time to be weak and timid, but to be strong and in power and in might in Jesus. I ask the question, are we seeing signs and wonders follow us everywhere we go? We should be seeing it. Every opportunity you get to go out, you want to see a city transformed? You want to see a region transformed? It's going to happen through you and I. We are called to be the light in the dark place. Stryker needs you. Archibald needs you. Napoleon, Brian, Defiance, they need you and I. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? Come on, we can go to church and we can do all of our shandais and we can be happy and we can do what we do. But when we leave here, what happens next? Come on, I want you to hear my heart when I say this. Greater is He that's inside of you. There's a power and authority that you carry. But you got to know who God is. And you have to know who you are. That's how we're going to see Ohio set ablaze. That's how we're going to see it. It's going to happen through all of us. Not the pastor. Not the leader. You all. All of us. Because we're all leaders. Destined to lead. Every one of you carries the power and the authority of the kingdom of heaven. There's no baby Holy Spirit. These kids in the next room, they're having encounters and they're seeing things in the Spirit. Why aren't you? Can I just be real? Why aren't we doing it? And if we are doing it, what are we doing with it? 
I want you to hear my heart. Listen, because my heart is to see this state lit ablaze. And we're all going to get to do it together, man. Every one of us gets to be a part of what God's going to do. I believe it. Ohio ablaze. And I declare it. And I speak it forth now in Jesus' name. This is not the time for the weak. We must walk in the power and the authority. How will this happen? <laughs> Zechariah 4.6 Not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's how it's going to happen. What's it going to cost? Man, look. I... What's it going to cost me, God? Everything. Everything. It's going to cost you everything. Jesus said this about the cost of the disciples. And he said this with an amazing statement. Any one of you who does not renounce all that, it, I'm sorry, renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's in Luke 14, 33. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. You're so good. That word renounce, renouncing means to give up something physically. But it also means to let go of things emotionally. And the reason why we have to let go of things emotionally, it's so that what possesses us can no longer possess. I'm sorry, what we possess can no longer possess us. When we become one of His, we cannot continue to belong to this world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. That's 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... They love, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides 
forever. You know, we can't come into church, raise up our hands and worship holy, holy God. And then we leave to, the, to our house and our house is in shambles. You're talking horrible to your son or your daughter. Listen, I know what that looks like. That's part of my testimony. Growing up in church, I would be on the way to church and me and my mom would be on the way to church and I would be getting cursed at and being slapped around in the car. Right before we got in the park, even in the parking lot. Getting all the F-bombs and slaps and then we get into the church and, oh, hallelujah, oh, como estas hermana? Like, really? And because of that, if that's what God looks like, I didn't want no part of God. You and I are called to be the light. We can't be hypocrites. How you talk to your wife, how you talk to your husband, how you talk to your child, it matters. If it doesn't line up with this, the fruits of the Spirit, where's your self-control? Why are you always angry? Why are you confused? Come on, think about this. We can't partake of the things of the world. We must make a choice. We cannot serve both God and mammon. Matthew 6, 24. For those that are taking notes, it's Matthew 6, 24. And it says this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I read a story the other day. I'm going to read it to you. I thought it was pretty awesome. But the story says this. Suppose you learned that you had just been given an all-expense-paid condo on a beach in Tahiti. I don't know, where is Tahiti? Is, is Hawaii better? No? Tahiti is better? Okay, so we're going to go to Tahiti. Because I was going to change it whichever was better, right? So, so an all-expense-paid condo on a beach in Tahiti. It's complete with airfare, a car, even a maid. You could brag about your new lifestyle. <clears throat> you could plan on it and even dream about it. But until you pack up and leave your current home, the new life is never really yours. You cannot live in Tahiti and your current home at the same time. 
Many people approach Christianity the same way. They love the idea <laughs> of eternal life and some even believe the, that the escaping hell system, belief system. And having Jesus on their back, on their beckoning call. But they are not willing to leave their life that they live now. Their desires, their lifestyle, their sinful habits, they're just too precious for them. Their lives may exhibit a token of change. They even start attending a church or giving up one of their major sins that they feel, but they want to retain ownership of everything else. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's the mindset that they're speaking about in Luke 14. I want to encourage you this morning to know who God is. We want to see a move of God. How many of us really want to see a move of God? In your place. Come on, you can raise your hands. That's okay. We should want to see a move of God. It's going to start in your home. It's going to start in your home. Some of us need to change the things that we're doing. We need to stop watching the things that we're watching. The hidden pornography. Mm -hmm. The secret drinking. Those things that try to keep you in bondage. Drugs, addictions. You name it. In Luke 18, we see a story about the rich young ruler. Let's turn to Luke 18. I'm almost done, guys. We're good. We're going to turn to Luke 18, verse 18. We see this story, and it's a pretty amazing story. I love it. Um, with Jesus and the rich young ruler. I'm going to start on verse 18 in, in, in chapter 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but the one. That is God. Okay, we'll just pause right there. He's a good God. <laughs> you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. 
So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Let's pause right there. Because see, the question I'm asking, we asked was, what is it going to cost me? What does it cost? And we said everything. So Jesus gives us a picture, and he says, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful. For he was very rich. With God, all things are possible. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And those who heard it say, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible for men are possible with God. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you. That word assuredly means like, listen, without a doubt. You see, it's going to cost something. Some of us have come from other states. Some of us are in ministry. We've given everything that we know to be in ministry. Some of us have left everything behind. Some of us have lost family members. You've been persecuted. Family has come against you. Churches have split. Things have happened. Those are the things when I say it cost you, it'll cost everything. And Jesus says, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left the house of the parents or the brothers or the wives and the children for the sake of the kingdom who shall not receive many times more in this present time. Listen to what I'm saying. It's going to cost you. But all of heaven is going to be released to you. Everything that was stolen, everything that was lost, every family member, every persecution, guess what? Boom! Comes right back to you. Assuredly, God says. That means without a doubt, absolutely, positively, it's yours. It's yours, Alan. It's yours, Jeff. Judy. Tad. Norman. It's all of yours. Roxy, it's yours. Not only does it become yours in this present time, but then it finishes in this. And in the age... To come and eternal life. That means that you get to live in the blessing. You get to live in the Matthew 28. And all it was is the go. What does it cost? What does it look like? 
to see a move of God. It looks like you. It looks like me. All he wants is a yes. Yes, God, I'll go. I'll go, God. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to go. But we can't serve two masters. It's gonna, we need every one of you in this place to be a lighthouse for the city, for the nation. That's why people are coming from all over the United States. I want you to look at the small group we have. Now, many are missing this morning, but I want you to look at this small group because what you see is not going to look the same in the months to come. There's an explosion coming. Ohio will be set ablaze. People will come, and signs and wonders will follow every one of you who believes in this place. And the beautiful thing about our Lord is that his mercies are new every morning. What happened yesterday doesn't matter today. So as I as I close, I just feel like there's an invitation this morning for us to make things right with the Lord. I'm not saying you don't, you're not saved. I'm not saying you don't know Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is maybe your walk hasn't been where it's supposed to be. Maybe you found yourself one foot in, one foot out. Maybe you found yourself living in this world, in that world. This morning, we want to pray with you. And I believe there's going to be an impartation that when you leave this place this morning, you're not going to come in the way that you did. But what I want to do before I even get there, because see, I, I'm, my heart is for souls and harvest. Is there anybody in here this morning who can say, I don't know Jesus. I, I don't know. I, I, I've been to church, I've been, but I don't know Jesus like that. I was always taught that he's a God of anger or I only went to church because I was made to go to church. Is there anybody in here this morning that can say, I want to know Jesus this morning. If that's you, can you raise your hand? Anybody? Okay. Everybody knows Jesus, and that's great. That's awesome. So my next thing is this. If you found yourself in that place of just a wandering season. Not, I know you believe, but you found yourself just struggling, moving forward. And you want to be that person that's going to be a beacon. You want to be a, a light to a nation. I want you to stand up and I want you to come up and pray. We're going to pray. So this is an invitation for you. Now, this is not something you have to do, but I'm calling you up. If that's you, come up here as the Lord leads you. Only as the Lord leads
And then we're going to pray an impartation into this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for those that are standing here this morning, God. Father, I thank you for their boldness, God. I thank you for their humility this morning, God. Father, I just thank you for what you've called them to be this season, Lord. And Father, we just declare, God, that this morning, God, that all things will be made whole, God. We declare your precious blood upon them, God. We declare your renewal, God. We declare, God, even now, God, that they would walk in the Matthew 10, 8, God. That they would see the glory, the power, and your presence, God. We declare, God, signs and wonders and miracles, God. We declare your greater glory, God. Right now, Lord. And even the rest of the room, God, and those that are watching right now online, if you're just, let's just stand. Can we all just stand this morning? Come on. Father, even now as we stand, God, we just come into agreement, God, for what you're going to do in this state and beyond and in this nation, God. Lord, we declare for your fires of revival to be birthed forth in this nation, God. Father God, we declare a move of God. Lord, that people will see the one true God. We declare revival, God. Revival in our homes. Revival in our schools. Revival in the workplace. Revival in the nation, Lord. Right now, God, let the fresh winds of heaven come. Let the fresh fires begin to blow in this place, God. Ignite us, God. Awaken us, God. Make us hungry for more of you, God. We want more of you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we want more of you, Lord. We want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Just make that your cry this morning. I want more of you, God. Right there where you're at, just begin to speak to the Lord. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. 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 We want more of you, God. 